Well, welcome back to the Powell Butte Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm the senior pastor here at Powell Butte Christian Church. And uh, it's good to have you with us uh, in our journey through the Gospel of Luke. We are now in uh, Luke 17, starting in verse 11. Before we begin, I just want to tell you a little bit about one of my very favorite phrases growing up. I was gonna. I was gonna. You know, anytime um, my mom had wanted me to do something, my parents had asked me to do something, and, uh, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours later, they come back to find that I hadn't done it, and they asked me about it, um, and I was getting ready to get in trouble, so my excuse was always, well, I was gonna, I was gonna, um, but that never gave me a leg to stand on, really. I was gonna, that's kind of like what... uh, Uh, James Boswell, back in the 18th century, said that the road to hell is paved with, I was gonna, right? It's paved with good intentions. Today, we're studying a passage that we looked at, actually last year at this time. It it is a uh, Thanksgiving sermon. I find it pretty amazing that this actually is where we find ourselves in the study of the Gospel of Luke. Naturally, we fall on Luke chapter 17. This is literally the next passage after what we looked at last week. And so God does work in mysterious ways. Anyways, uh, it's a passage where 10 men have received this huge blessing from God, but only one was thankful. Only one followed through with his intentions, his was gonna, right? In demonstrating a grateful, thankful heart. The other nine, well, we're not specifically told what was up, but obviously each one had his own his own excuse for not returning to the one who had blessed them. I bet if you're listening to this podcast, you know something about making excuses about not following through with your good intentions. I'm sure that sometime in your life you had a, oh, well, I was gonna, I was gonna, I meant to do that. And now you look back and realize that maybe you really didn't mean to go back. It's crazy, but this week I found a website That truly is baffling. It's a website that will automatically generate an excuse for you, whatever you're trying to weasel out of. It's it's a real thing. It's a real website. You type in the sort of excuse that you need, and it actually generates one for you. I also found a website that would give you a a legitimate doctor's excuse. Um, It comes from a licensed physician. You pay $15.00. You give it to your employee or your PE teacher or anybody else, and you're able to get out of whatever you need to get out of. That's amazing to me how we now have that just as a part of our everyday life. Excuses. Excuses. Well, the problem with excuses is that they betray an attitude that seems to go contrary to what you say is true. If what I was supposed to do is really a priority for me, Wouldn't it seem like I would do what I needed to do in order to make it a reality? But by giving an excuse as to why I didn't follow through, well, I I feel like I'm betraying the fact that I probably really didn't totally intend to do it. In other words, my I was gonna is a lie. Mankind seems to always have a problem with being grateful for the blessings that come our way. We fall back on laziness or excuses as to why we're not thankful. You know, we're given so much, and unfortunately for too many people, it's very rare for us to actually express gratitude. Now, 
I don't know about you, but as, as a kid, I was taught, you say thank you. You say thank you for any gift that came, even on the back of birthday checks. You know, Grandma would always send you that $5 check. And those were the days when, when you endorsed a check. After that check cleared the bank, it would be returned to the check writer. And so on the back where I was supposed to endorse the check, I, I was also supposed to put the words thank you underneath my name. Because I, my mom knew that Grandma would get that check back and I would express my gratitude. Thank you, Grandma, for the birthday check. This morning, like we did last year, I'm going to challenge us to write down some blessings after this sermon. Write down some of the blessings that God has given to you, much like you know the check that you would receive from Grandma. And, and write something out to express your gratitude for what you've received. But uh, before you do, I want to read the passage, starting in verse 11 of Luke 17. It goes like this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master! Have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. I want you to imagine that day, Jesus traveling along the road towards Jerusalem with his disciples. And as he came to a village, there's a group of desperate men outside of the village because they couldn't go into the village, by the way, by law. And they were in desperate need. Their diagnosis, leprosy, which to them was a death sentence. It was the most dreaded disease of Jesus' time. It was very contagious. Over time, if left unchecked, leprosy could wipe out an entire village. So if you were found to have leprosy, the priests of the region would expel you from your village, from your town, from all of society. You would be removed from your family. You'd be cast out of the community. You could have no contact whatsoever, not with your kids not with your grandkids, you were immediately removed. The physical pain would eventually go away. It deadened because, well, your nerve endings would be eaten away by the disease. So the physical pain was sharp at first, but then over time it would dull. The emotional pain, well, that was what would increase over time because you knew you were dying, but you couldn't have anybody that loved you be there for you as a support. The only support that you would find was with other people who had contracted this disease as well. So lepers would tend to roam together. They would look for food. They would beg for financial assistance. They would dig through the garbage, all the while having to yell out in unison because leprosy would actually dry your throat out terribly so that your voice was frail and barely audible in many circumstances. They would yell in unison whenever somebody was approaching, stay away. We're unclean, unclean. So even as they begged, they were shunned. So 
Jesus is approaching the, the, the village, and these ten guys are crying out for pity. They're asking for mercy. Uh, if you go back, they said, son of, da son of David, have mercy. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 just, I'm just going back. And uh, they said, Jesus, master, sorry, master, have pity on us. What were they asking for? They were asking for somebody to just care about their situation. Luke makes a point of telling us that then Jesus saw these lepers. And I love the word that, that Luke uses here because it implies that Jesus looked past their appearance. He looked past their, their, their rotting flesh. And he saw what was going on in their soul. He perceived what was most needed. They, they didn't need money. They didn't need um, food. What they needed was a new identity. Their identity had been eaten away, torturously taken away from them. And so Jesus saw them. That word means he perceived, he understood. And so he knew the condition of their soul. And he knew that there's only one way to be accepted back into their families. There was only one way to be accepted back into their communities. And that was to go, according to the law of Moses, to go be inspected by the, the same priest who had declared them unclean and to be now declared clean. See, the law was clear. There was a procedure you had to go through in order to get back to the life you once enjoyed. And what happens is very simply put. Jesus said, you must go through that procedure. And as they went, see, they obeyed Jesus's instructions. They didn't have to go through any kind of miracle ritual, right? Jesus told them to go and they obeyed. And as they obeyed, as they went, Luke says they were healed. You know, have you ever found it to be true that God has put, has asked you to take a step of faith before you actually can see what he is doing in your situation? Oh, he's doing something. But before you can see it, he asks you to take a step of faith. These guys were told to go. They had to obey, to step out in faith, to head back to the civilization that they had been shunned from, all the while still exhibiting the evidence of the disease. You see, they had to go before the miracle happened. They had to go before they were healed. But they do go. And at some point, they were changed. That's all we're told. And they were all changed, all 10 of them. The diseased cells that were eating away at their flesh was changed. It was renewed. Their skin was changed. It was renewed. Their stigma was changed. And it was restored. Ten suffering men had been touched by Jesus. And he had made a difference in their life. Can you imagine the joy? Can you even imagine the shock that they experienced? Can you picture them bounding down the road to the priest, running, now leaping and dancing like a, oh, I don't know, like a middle schooler on their way to winter camp after downing a liter of Mountain Dew. All 10 men most likely caught up in the joy, the excitement of the moment, and nobody thinks to go back and express gratitude. Only one returns. If you go back and look at verses 15 and 16, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. You see the humility there. And he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Only one came back. Only one showed the humility, the 
wherewithal, the, the, the forethought to understand what just happened to him and what needed to happen was an expression of things. Folks, apparently humankind has always had an issue with taking things for granted, for not expressing thanksgiving to whom thanks is due. Ten guys have been given a literal gift of a lifetime. Nine of them don't even stop to think about what just happened. We don't know what kept them from returning to give thanks, but the fact that only one came back wasn't lost on Jesus. He asked in verse 17, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine indeed? I'm sure that they had good intentions. I was gonna. I was gonna. But there's a bit of betrayal here in their actions to show uh, where the depth of their faith or the shallowness of their faith. I ran across a poem. The author is unknown. And it's entitled, I Meant to Go Back. It goes like this. <clears throat> I meant to go back, but as you may guess, I was filled with a wonder I could not express. To think that after those horrible years of shaming and shunning, of loathing and fears, by sores that did torture, eaten, defiled, but now flesh smooth as the flesh of a child. I was drunken with joy. I was crazy with glee. I scarcely could walk and I scarcely could see for the sunshine of hope where all had been black. But I meant to go back. Oh, I meant to go back. I had thought to return when my family came out amidst tears of rejoicing and laughter and shout. My children embraced me. My wife gave me a kiss. Ah, to feel that old passion was exquisite bliss. They crowded around me. They filled the whole place. They looked at my feet, my hands, my face. My children were there, my beautiful wife, and all the forgotten blessings of life. My cup was so full I seemed nothing to lack, but I meant to go back. Oh, I meant to go back. Why did they not follow through with actions that would demonstrate a grateful heart? You got to believe that they were thankful. What a homecoming, right? What an unexpected blessing. They were healed. But why wouldn't they express their gratitude? Was it that they were just too distracted with all the things that they now could do? Maybe. Was it that they were so focused on their new reality that it slipped their mind? I could see that. Whether they meant to or not, it sure seems like they were just taking the role that Jesus played for granted. There are a lot of things that could be in play when we neglect to demonstrate a heart of gratitude for the blessings that God gives. Maybe we don't believe it came from God. Maybe we believe it was just a coincidence, our lucky day. Maybe we think somehow we deserved it, that we earned it. It's common for us to take things for granted or to not be content with the blessings that God has given as we want more. Because this is so common, I believe it's crucial for the Christ follower to actually set the standard in this world when it comes to being thankful. In other words, during this time of year, in our country especially, as we will gather around tables on Thursday or Wednesday, if you are unconventional and have to work on Thanksgiving Day, you'll gather around the table with your family, your friends, over a big meal that uh, somebody has worked way too hard on. 
And we give thanks for the things that God has given to us. Folks, the Christ follower should set the standard when it comes to being thankful. We should be the ones who really, truly mean it when we, gave, when we give thanks on Thanksgiving. Why? Well, because we, above all other people, we should understand that our gratitude reflects our relationship that we have with God. Our gratitude reflects our acknowledgement of the source of all that we have, even our salvation. You know, to be thankful once a year, that doesn't cut it. The Christ follower, we are told to be thankful, to give thanks in all situations. And we are to cultivate a grateful heart, recognizing that God is the God that gives us all that we have. Disciples should be operating in the light, as opposed to those whose minds are darkened when it comes to acknowledging our dependence on God. In the, the book of Romans, chapter 1, Paul describes those who live in the dark like this. He says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. They didn't give thanks. Well, maybe once a year, when everybody else was gathering around the table, they would give thanks. But they did not make it a habit of giving thanks to God for what they had. But their thinking, he says, became futile. Their foolish hearts then were darkened. For Paul, the people who do not give thanks find themselves not seeing the reality of what God is and what God has done, of what God has provided. And so, according to Romans 1, men begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. Or, like a man that was uh, in the church that we were at down in Southern California a long time ago, he was not a Christian. His wife was. And he'd get so mad when she would thank God for this food because he would say, God didn't give you that. I worked hard to put that food on your table. He hated whenever his wife gave thanks for the meal. He worshiped himself, thinking that it was on him, that he was the one that was providing. Gratitude acknowledges a relationship with the provider. And that's important because there is a greater provision awaiting us that far outweighs any physical provision. There's a gift that's greater than the healing, believe it or not. Now, what is that gift that I'm talking about? Well, Consider a quick word study. In this passage, there are three different words that surround this miraculous healing. In verse 14, it says, as they, the 10 lepers, as they went, they were cleansed. That's one word, cleansed. And in verse 15, it says, when he, which was the one leper that came back, the Samaritan leper, when he saw that he was healed, okay, so there, that's the other, the second word, healed. And then in verse 19, if you look at there, it says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And that first word cleansed means to be purified. The second word healed has the flavor of something being fixed. Something that was broken is now fixed. But the last phrase, made you, made you well, actually comes from the same word that we use when we talk about somebody being saved. In other words, once the man came back to Jesus, there was something now deeper than just a healing that was established. He came back, not just for a healing, but to establish a relationship. You see, this man's faith did not just heal his body. It actually brought healing to his soul. 
Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you, we could also say. See, that's the one who re- that's what the one who returned received. It was more than a healing. It was a renewed relationship with God through Jesus. It was salvation. It was a connection with the Creator. It was a friendship with the Savior. In other words, it was not just receiving the act of mercy. It was receiving the relationship of mercy. That's why we Christians, we Christ followers, should be more thankful than anyone else. That we should be setting the standard for living out our thanksgiving, especially during this time, but all through the year. It's because we know what it's like to have a relationship with our Creator because we turned back and have been thankful and have acknowledged that he is the source of all that we have. Is there a, 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 a something that you can be thankful to God for? In our services on Sunday, we're going to be writing on the walls. We're going to be putting up a wall of thanksgiving, and people are going to be writing with crayons or pens, all these things that they are thankful for. But as you're listening to this at home, is there something that you can just grab a, a notebook and write down a prayer of thanks? Well, what can you be grateful for? Obviously, salvation and a reconnection with God must be at, at the core of what we are thankful for. But if there's anything else that you can think of, why don't you do that right now and let this be an exercise of prayer? I think it's incredibly important that you do that from time to time. Because in expressing your thanks to God for the provision that he brings, that allows you to remember and to consider the relationship that you have with him because of what Jesus has done. And so as we are grateful for the material blessings, the relational blessings, and the emotional blessings, we must also be grateful for the gift of salvation, the gift of reconciliation to our Heavenly Father. This Thanksgiving, as you're sitting around the table, let your friends and family know that this is not just a a time to thank God for freedom or to thank God for the bounty. And it's not even just telling them that you are thankful for them. Why don't you let this year be a time where you declare that you're thankful for being made right with God, and that he is doing his work in you through his spirit to bring about what he wants to bring about in this earth, in this world, through you. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gates that all may go in. What a song of praise and thanksgiving. I would pray that uh, the earth would hear your voice as you shout out your thanksgiving to God this week. May you continually be grateful and may people see that gratefulness in your life, thanking God for what he has done. May you be blessed this year. And um, we will catch you next week. I'd like to thank, since it's Thanksgiving time, I'd like to thank all of my team that uh, makes these these podcasts possible for Steve Pittman for getting all of the equipment ready to roll and uh, the ability to do this from my office and for Lisa Welly, my executive producer, who is just a trooper and uh, deals with me and my tardiness and uh, like, oh, yeah, I didn't get it done this week. We're going to just have to actually film or record the sermon. 
Anyway, so thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Steve. Thank you uh, to you guys who are listening to this podcast. Uh, You are a blessing to us. So thank you for being a blessing. We'll see you uh, next week.